Welcome to the Seven Figure Impact Podcast, where I help men and women just like you who have a drive to make positive, powerful impact within their local community do so through licensed assisted living, group homes, and community have businesses. I'm your host, Ariana. I'm a co-CEO of a seven-figure home and community-based agency, former professional foster parent, mother of three children, coach, course creator, and so much more. I'm obsessed with helping aspiring providers break into the business of care without all the confusion, overwhelm, or even owning their licensed property. And I help current providers intentionally market, develop systems, streamline their back end, and scale their income. If you are wanting to build a business in care and make seven-figure impact, you are in the right place. Let's get it going. Hello, and welcome back to the Seven Figure Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Ariana J, and I am so glad you are here. I'm beaming with excitement today as I am right in front of this beautiful window in my office, and it is sunny out, it is bright, and I'm actually recording this on Juneteenth. So how awesome is that? I switched up the days recently to when I record the podcast just because of the schedule and what's going on. And I want to make sure that I'm not feeling restricted as I record because it's important to me to feel good in my space and in my environment as I record. Now, with that said, if you're watching the video version to this, you will see that I am in a sports bra with a small little stain on it. So I'm calling that out. I just came from the gym. So I'm sitting down to record because for me, when I show up to talk to you all or to record content or produce content or anything like that, I have to be in the feels. <laughs> I don't know if you're like me or can relate to that in any way, but when I show up, I want to show up intentionally and I want to show up in the right feeling and vibe. I don't like to feel forced. So that's why I'm showing up today as is and cheers to being comfortable in your attire. Right. So today's a really important day. It's obviously Juneteenth, like I mentioned. And so at, towards the end of the podcast, I want to share some stories with you about some African-Americans that had disabilities, but did not let that stop them. So I want to share a couple of those towards the end of the podcast. And today we're going to be talking all about leadership and the journey that you go on through leadership, right? Now, I'm not going to get very specific about the different checkpoints within it, but I want to talk about like high level about leadership in the cares industry in your business and why it is so important, right? I believe businesses that have effective leadership are more likely to outperform those who don't. And that's just not a belief that I have that's actually, um, and according to a study by the Center for Creative Leadership. And so when we think about that, because leadership is not talked about widely in the cares industry, specific to license assisted living group home and community have businesses and the variety of forms that there are. And when you consider yourself a boutique agency like myself, even though we do seven figures a year, we do not have a ton of clients on our roster, right? 
And so if you're anything like me and you don't have a ton of clients on your your roster, you know, you might consider yourself a boutique agency like myself. And even if you have 60 clients on your roster, that's still considered a boutique agency where I'm talking about the big guys are the agencies out there that have multiple homes. They have multiple services. They're usually nonprofits. They're well known within your city town or state as the go-to agency, right? And so I consider myself boutique compared to those agencies. But when we're talking about leadership and guidance, sometimes we look at those agencies like they're the ones who are supposed to have that leadership, right? But in actuality, it is something of significance for small business and care providers to have. So if you're a boutique agency, if you consider yourself a small agency, whichever, it's really, really, really important to start thinking of how are you going to be leading your team, right? Again, it's not something that I've even thought about when I was starting this business. It's not something that's widely talked about as you continue to grow your your business, whether you're part of different associations and whatnot. I find with the associations that I'm a part of, it's geared towards, yes, leadership in a way, but also more regulatory requirements, et cetera, that are happening uh, on the local level, right? And so I don't feel that it's really talked about as far as leadership and cultivating that within the agencies. Now, I also will say that sometimes when you're running this business, right? Whether you consider yourself a boutique agency, a small business, whatever you want to say, we're not really necessarily focused on the leadership aspect as we are to recruiting employees, hiring on team members, getting our clientele rosters up to the way that we want them to be with marketing promotion and revenue, right? Bringing revenue in. And a big piece of that is leadership, right? Because we have to have the employees to actually run the business, right? They actually have to be the ones doing the hands-on care. And If you don't know how to cultivate a care team, if you don't know how to actually develop your leadership skills here in the business of care, it's going to be really hard for you to really grow your care team and grow your business, which is a part of your plan, right? I assume it's a part of your plan. If it's not a part of your plan, then hell, like no worries, like... (laughs) Go about your day. But if you've ever thought about growing your care team, if you've ever thought about growing your business, generating more revenue, making more impact within your local community, you have to develop some leadership skills so that you can continue to grow your care team and grow your business as a whole. And so again, that's not something that I thought about really when I got my business started. I was more so set on one service. I was more so set on the number of clientele that I needed to be able to serve to reach that number, which was a million. And at the time I needed eight clients in my residential program to be able to reach that goal, right? And so that's all I really had my mindset set on. Now you might ask me, well, you didn't think about impact? Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought about impact and the income, right? My business was literally started and founded because a uh, young man was aging out of the foster care system, right? And he was autistic. And so that was a catalyst of getting started so quickly because he really only had like four more 
more months or five more months in the program before he was going to lose his housing and his services, et cetera. And so my business has always been impact first, but I am a business woman. And so a business, even though it brings impact, right? It has to bring income or it's not a business, it's a hobby. And I'm not in the the hobby business per se in this realm, right? So that's just a little bit of context behind that because you have to develop the leadership skills to be able to grow and scale your business and to increase revenue because it is the catalyst for that. Now, I want to first dive in to this notion of developing leadership skills, right? And you're like, okay, girl, like, that's cool. Like, what does that look like, right? Hey there, if you are ready to make impact within your local community and you are ready to get started, I have something for you, so listen up. The Startup Provider Program is open for enrollment for a limited time. The Startup Provider Program is a self-study program over 12 weeks, so you can get on track with opening your business and care so much faster. We talk about everything from mindset and focus to clients and funding to licensing and certification and everything else in between, specifically focusing on that market research so that you can find the right license type and the requirements to open the business and care that you desire. So head over to startupprovider.com for more details. All right, now back to the show. So let's start with the facts. I think that's, that's a good place to start in all things, of course. So starting with the facts, Here's a fact for you. According to the Harvard Business Review study, 80% of leaders in the healthcare space found it harder to lead in the healthcare sector compared to other industries. Now, why is that? Now, when I'm giving you this stat, this says the healthcare space, right? So this is including all healthcare space. This is not specific to licensed assisted living, group home or community hat businesses. We're all encumbered in that healthcare space, right? Or this healthcare sector. But why is it harder to lead in this space compared to other industries? Like that doesn't necessarily make all of the sense when we think of all of these care businesses that are out there. Like, why? Why is that? And I can't speak to like the big companies, like the hospitals and the big orgs and all these other places out there. But for us boutique agencies and us smaller agencies, it was just never taught, right? There was never really any guidance behind it. And if you're coming into the business, right? If you're coming into the business without leadership skills, right? it's going to be harder to adapt and to learn from those within the space if it's not really being taught. Let me put it this way too. Before I was a program administrator, I did have supervisory experience, management experience. It was a requirement and I met that requirement, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that I came in with developed leadership skills that were going to help the business grow and thrive, right? It just didn't happen for me that way. And apparently 
it didn't happen for a lot of people that way because 80% of leaders in the healthcare space found it harder to lead in the healthcare sector compared to other industries, okay? Now, theirs might not be exactly the way mine is, right? But there has to be some similarities to that. I did not really understand all of the different components when it comes to leading and and leadership in this business, right? I feel like it's also very different for us, specific to licensed assisted living group homes and community have businesses, is that it's not really happening in this traditional office space, right? Where this corporate office politics that goes on in that environment, right? And for us, yes, we have our corporate office here, but a lot of the care that we're doing and providing and the work that we're doing is happening in a residential setting or it's happening in the community, right? Outside of a traditional office environment. And I believe, at least for me and for some of the providers that I've spoken to over the years, that does play a part, okay? It does play a part, at least from what I've seen. You might see something different. If you have, I would love to know. So hit me up on Instagram and let me know that or on Facebook because I think it's it's such an interesting point of view when I'm talking to other owners, operators, providers, CEOs about their specific organization or business, right? So when we look at some of those skills that are needed, we need to look at like one, empathy, right? Are you taught that, right? We have empathy for our clientele, but do we have empathy for our team? Is that something that goes into leadership? Communication, effective communication, right? The ability to balance the business needs and the quality of care. This is one that I struggle with to this day, right? And it's it's a combination of that empathy with leadership and then the ability to balance the business needs with quality of care. So it's not necessarily the quality of care that's a struggle for me and my team. It's about that empathy piece with the care team and creating a space where everything is thoroughly outlined and I understand you're making mistakes, right? I understand mistakes might be made at the beginning, but it's like that accountability piece. I guess that's that's the piece that I struggle with with my team is holding them accountable. And it's something that I struggled with over the years, right? And I feel like now I have this stable ground, right? And actually systems and processes built in so that I can hold them accountable I can hold myself accountable and then we're just going, we're going by the rules. We're going by what we have outlined for our company, right? But still having that empathy, that compassion, the communication, all of that balanced in to really help guide. Because if you allow somebody to get away with the most, right? then the the work that they do, the quality of work that they do usually just diminishes and you're kind of left in this unhappy spot and you're really not helping them be the best version of themselves as an employee or as a member of the care team because everybody has to pull their own weight, right? And so being able to have something in place that's going to help with the leadership, right? Help to cultivate those skills, whether it's something that you're going to and learning and bringing that back to the business, or it is something that you are actually meeting internally with your care team members about, right? For me, I believe I have to 
improve myself, educate myself, take action, right, myself before I can kind of go out and talk to my team about it. And I think that it's important that we do eventually talk to our teams about it. For me, like, in 2023, this is being recorded. Like I started at the top of the year with really understanding that HR structure and the structure of the business and leadership and all of those different things that I felt like I needed to really propel my business to where I wanted to be. And I'm so glad that I did because it has helped already so much. We've had our first official team meeting, which there will be monthly ones going on the books moving forward. And actually having a structure to that and allowing the team to understand what that is and why it is. So essentially, I am developing leadership skills and I'm learning it and I'm showing my team that I'm learning this by implementing something for the company, right? And so I think that this is important to be able to do. Obviously, you don't want to overwhelm yourself, right? Obviously, there is several different things that you need when developing the essential leadership skills, right? From emotional intelligence to team management to team decision-making and to be able to have somewhat of a roadmap for your team as you are developing this. Now, for me personally, I don't have ton of curriculum or workshops or courses or skills or whatever for my team on this, right? But I do have outlined what things I want them to be working on within our learning management system to better help them out, right? To better help them gain the skills that they need to provide excellent care to our residents. And then not only our residents, but our program participants, but also have them understand the why behind what's happening, right? And I feel for me personally, like that's a big help for me is for me to understand the why, but not just like doing the thing. I I need to understand why that thing is happening, right? And so developing those skills for myself, relaying those skills to my team and the various forms that I'm able to do it, right? Without overwhelming them completely, has not only been helpful for me and my leadership, but it's been helpful for them to see me as the leader. I hope all of this is making sense and I hope you're able to apply some of this to your business or your future business, right? So overcoming leadership challenges here in the care business, there are obviously several challenges. And when it comes to navigating those, that seems to be like the harder part, right? Usually if you know you're struggling with something, you have somewhere to turn, you can ask the question, right? But I'm noticing here, like in this industry, like a lot of common leadership challenges based off of a report that was done, 63% of the care sector leaders report that managing staff needs is their top operational challenge, That's big, 63%. And it's almost like just knowing what to do and navigating those to provide the best advice and support to the team. And I feel this goes 
far beyond planning and staff schedules. I feel like it goes more towards investing in employees for engagement and retention, right? You don't really think about retention, et cetera, when you're getting your business started, you're probably in it just a little bit before you start thinking about retention strategies, bonus strategies, like whatever that looks like for you. I kind of have mine built out in for bonuses, right? And we can probably talk about that on another episode of how to like outline and structure that based off of your needs and based off of how you see this going for your your business and obviously the end result that you are wanting. But I think it goes more into, at least for me, like the various personalities that you're dealing with, the, the various walks of life that you're dealing with, right? The different challenges that people have personally and... I hate to be the person that says like, yes, you need to leave your challenges at the door, right? Obviously, we want that as employers. But realistically, when we're in the cares industry, I'm finding that it's damn near impossible. You're in a home setting or community setting. You're outside of a corporate office environment. Sometimes that wall that you walk into, right? You walk through your office door, You sit down at your cubicle or your desk, you're in work mode. When you're in a home setting or community setting, that guard isn't up, right? You are not in a traditional office environment. And so I find, at least with the care team that I've managed over the years, different employees, they've came and left or it's not been a good fit, et cetera. All of that like bleeds into the operations. All of that bleeds into the different operational challenges with employees and being able to navigate that in the different levels. Now, I'm not talking about becoming a life coach for my care team, right? But I am talking about like the needs of each individual to be able to see that employee, what they're capable of, asking them their wants and their desires for being in the company, and then to be able to support them in that. I find it really hard, right? Because when I can see somebody where they could go, but then they have these personal challenges that are always in the way, that's hard to be able to mentor somebody accordingly, right? You can't make somebody do something. And that's just one little area. So to be able to have this leadership amongst your care team and to be able to guide them at the different levels or areas that they're at, I find can be challenging. I've also found that I didn't necessarily know what things to implement to help my staff on their journey to where they wanna go within their company because of the different challenges and setbacks that I've seen within their personal life that bleed into work, right? Being able to address their performance, address the expectation, address what you see that has nothing to do with the why that you feel like they're dealing with that has been hard too, because it's not my job to dive into somebody's personal life. It's not, it's not your job either. Now, if they disclose something or bring something to your attention, obviously I do the best I can to talk to them about that, right? Based off of where they're at, it's not my job or my role to pry or be nosy. It's my job and my role to guide that employee, that team member 
in their journey with our company so that they can thrive, so that they can provide excellent care to our residents and program participants, and they can be a valued team member. So sometimes that is a challenging aspect for me. And it's also been a challenging aspect for some of the owners that I have talked to, some agency owners and students inside of my program. And so a lot of this is my personal experience too, but I found that to be challenging. The other piece that has been challenging with leadership is how to navigate certain situations that happen, right? A lot of times people jump to the worst case scenario of whatever it is, okay? But how do you handle that actual situation or other situations that are not as extreme or robust, right? Sometimes it's always good to like have another person or a group or community to be able to bounce the situation off of. Obviously, we're not disclosing people's names and all of this stuff, but we're asking situational things. And a lot of times us as providers and owners don't have a space to be able to bounce things off of to see if we're really looking at things objectively so that we can go back and lead our teams. I am fortunate enough to have a business partner. And so it's been him and I since the beginning, we bounce things off of each other all the time. He can see things one way, I can see things the next. He has more experience with leadership. He's ex-military. I do not have as much experience with him as leadership. He's great with operations. He's great with all of that. I'm more of a people person. I'm good with empathy and compassion, but we both have our weaknesses and strengths. And being able to bounce that off of him has been so helpful. And I'm sure him being able to bounce things off of me has been so helpful. So can you imagine the way leadership would look if we actually had a community to be able to bounce things off of or a squad to be able to bounce things off of. Sometimes that's our learning environment. Sometimes it's not putting ourselves in these containers and learning these robust, strict strategies on implementing said things. Sometimes it's literally peer engagement and peer interaction, peer conversation that allow us to grow and thrive as leaders. And again, I'm speaking from myself here. The other thing that people miss is having a resilient mindset in leadership, okay? A resilient mindset in leadership. And a study by the Development Dimensions International found that leaders with strong resilience are four times more likely to be highly effective. Four times more likely. Now you can see the owners, the leaders, uh, the managers who really don't have a strong mindset. They're really just there to check a box, right? Sometimes they're burned out. They're not doing anything about it. It takes resiliency to be a good leader, right? It takes failing. It takes trying different strategies to develop resilience, right? It takes self-work, internalizing or not internalizing something, setting very clear boundaries and cultivating a growth mindset to be resilient as a leader. This is important. Back in 2019, when after I had my son and I went through some pretty severe postpartum depression, this is where that resiliency, it was hard for me. It was hard for me to deal with my own personal issues and challenges and try to be a good leader. It didn't work because I wasn't focusing on 
me first, right? I wasn't focusing on myself. I wasn't focusing on making sure I was whole so that I could be this leader, right? It was not something that I was doing. And I believe even according to this study, right? If you are not developing resilience, if you are not doing that in your daily practice with yourself, it's going to be very hard to relay that to the team and for the team to see and adapt what you are presenting to them. Okay. I don't really know how else to say that. I've heard and I hear from providers all the time. I get emails, I get DMs from people who have seen our work. I've get DMs from students privately with some of the things that they're working on within their own agency. Right. And sometimes they don't like the way they feel about it. Their boundaries are being stretched. They are not holding themselves accountable. They're not holding the people around them accountable. They're not doing anything to help with their mindset. And you could see it's like they half-ass try something and then say it it doesn't work, right? They half-ass do something and then say that it doesn't work. Well, truly, it's like, did you really try hard enough? Are you doing all of the things that you know you could do, right? Are you seeking out help? If you want to be highly effective, if you want to have these teams that are growing and thriving, if you want to be the best leader that you can possibly be, it starts with your mindset and your mindset is your strongest muscle. So I encourage you to look internally, right, to see what it is that you can start with so you can start to develop a resilient mindset as you continue to lead your team. And as we move on, I want to talk about leading with empathy. Now, earlier in this episode, I told you I struggled with empathy, right? I struggled with some of that, how much to allow, how much to give, all of those things, right? Allowing some past employees to push boundaries they shouldn't have, right? But really understanding the role of empathy in leadership, because it's so freaking important because you... (laughs) If you don't know, you need to be empathetic. (laughs) When you're leading teams, guys, people are people. People first, then money, then things all the time. And it's not just your residents, program participants. It's your care team. You have to have empathy. But then there's also this fine line of empathy, how much to give, right? And so it's something that I've had to work on. And I want to just talk about it briefly. So according to the Business Solver 2020 State of Workplace Empathy Study, that was a mouthful, found that 80% of employees would be willing to work longer hours for an empathetic employer. Woo, that's a pretty good study. And I can actually speak to some of this based off of what we've endured over the last two years of COVID, right? We have been in a place of survival. And I'm going to say that honestly, because, and I'm not speaking to me, I'm talking about the industry as a whole, smaller providers as a whole. Why? Why do I say that? Because there have been more providers closing their doors in the last two years I feel like than ever before, right? And it's because they couldn't find workers 
or they've overworked their team and they can't find employees, all of these different things that went into place. And I felt it too over the last two years, right? I felt that not being able to find employees, I felt that some of my team may have been a little bit overworked. I think the weight of what was going on in the world, not knowing how that was going to pan out, being in an environment where there were lockdowns, especially at facilities. I think the list goes on and on. But I will say that the team that we had during those two years We were empathetic to them. I think they were empathetic to us with understanding the way the world was going, the uncertainty that was going on. And then also the the residents who we served, some knew what was going on, some briefly understood a little bit, some didn't understand it at all, right? But when you come together and you can be empathetic in your role of providing care and improving the quality of care, and not only to your residents, but to the program participants, right? And the team members, right? And your care team members, so your employees. That in itself builds stronger teams. Our management team literally came to be where we brought in our resident manager was during that whole time. We really have been solid as a team and built a really strong team. And it has not only helped us thrive, but it's fostered a positive workplace culture, right? I feel like our workspace has evolved over time. I think that there have been different viewpoints that have kind of come into our organization as Andre and I both play this really strong role in leadership and bouncing ideas and and thoughts off of each other, right? With also actively listening to our employees and recognizing and acknowledging their efforts, but also, also realizing that each person has their own path, right? And that for me was a huge moment. We might have this path within our company that says, I'll throw an example out out there that says, okay, for this particular employee to be promoted, they're going to go here, they're going to go here, and they're going to go here. And you have this success path for them. Well, when we are looking at empathy, some of our team members are not going to be able to go as far up on that path as others. Some are just meant to stay at the very beginning. And when you are trying to push somebody to be something that they're not, that's where it leads to disaster every time. And I'm here to tell you that you can have empathy for that person. That's path is not exactly outlined for your company, right? Just as you have the empathy for the person who is like, I'm in it, to win it. I want to move up. This is what I want for my career, right? And it's learning how to gauge those things. Because I have been in a situation to where I have not always done that, right? I've not always done that. Now, I've always been a very kind employer. I give my employees the same dedication that they give the company. And I will do a lot for my employees. I have done a lot of things for them. And I do ask them to come and be their best. And at the same time, I'm able to have empathy and compassion and leadership for where they're at, where I can see them at, where they want to be at, right? I think that that's an important factor because I'm not going to have the same, I guess, leadership, right? And guidance for the person who wants to come in, do the bare minimum and stay there versus the person who comes in and is not able to do the other thing. Some people just aren't 
able to do that, right? And so I don't want to sound like that's a judgy thing, but it's the truth. And we cannot force our team to do something that they're not capable of. And once I've kind of changed that viewpoint, I can see that the impact that it has had on my team and on the business. Now, when it comes to practical tips for leading with empathy, I'm really proud that this is something that we're actually implementing. And it was something that I wanted to implement. I just wasn't sure how there wasn't, again, any guidance on doing any of this. And it has been so helpful with knowing where my team is at. Now, I share this responsibility. This might come from Andre. This might come from Lainey. This might come from myself, right? It might come from any one of us, but now that it's implemented, it it literally helps so much, right? I really think that some actionable tips that I can give to you today that maybe you're able to go and implement within your own organization or that you can utilize once you get your business up and started. And these are things that I just didn't necessarily think about before, but we're implementing them and it's important. I can just tell you that. And if you guys want, we can talk further into this in another episode. Uh, So always send me a message on Instagram or Facebook and let me know and we can and we can do that later. But as a team, one, it's important to come together, right? So having a monthly team meeting or a weekly team meeting or biweekly, however you want that to be done is going to be really important to your role in leadership. And during that team meeting to engage in questions, engage in hearing your team talk and practice active listening, right? Yes, it can be a time to outline changes that the agency is going through. It's a time for everyone to come together, right? It's a time to be able to listen to what your team is saying and to practice, like I said, active listening. Um, There's also a time to do check-ins one-on-one. Now, this is something that, this is not something that I exactly am doing because I'm not in the homes as much as Lainey, as much as Andre, where they're able to check in with the team. They're able to see how they're doing, see what's going on, and then kind of relay this to the management team, not like they're doing a full disclosure, right? But if somebody's having a hard time or there's a family struggle, or maybe there was a death of a extended relative, or maybe there's something else going on, a health issue going on, right? Making sure that we're checking in and showing our team that we actually give a damn, right? Where we're creating a culture where everyone's opinion is valued, everybody's life, right? And what they have going on in their world is valued and showing that, you know, we are a unit and we actually do care, right? And I feel like that has been, especially during these two and a half years where this whole COVID situation was going on, the team really was able to feel valued. I feel, in my opinion, my team felt valued. I felt like they actually felt like we cared and we did before that. But I'm just saying that for that duration of time, it really was more pronounced. And it was not just more pronounced for us. It was more pronounced for the whole freaking world, right? Everybody seemed to care a little bit more about each other during that time. I believe that adding empathy into the business for the owner, for leadership has not only made a difference in my own personal business, 
but I believe it's made a difference in the cares industry and other industries as a whole, right? You see more employers caring about their team. You see more employers realizing self-care is important, right? And people's own values and mission are important, right? You see them more people focused. That didn't happen by accident. It happened, I believe, because of COVID, right? And so I just want to point that out there that when you implement adding empathy into your leadership, it's only going to be better, right? Have those boundaries, have those things set, but it's going to not only make you a better leader, it's going to make your business better. It's going to make your people better, right? It's going to make the care that they're providing better. And when you know that it all starts with you at the top, right, you will be more inclined to be able to do it. Now, it's not going to be easy. It's not. It's not going to be easy. Sometimes we look around and we don't know where to turn. Go to community. We have the Seven Figure Impact community. We will be launching something specifically for operators, business owners, specifically in the cares industry, where we're talking about operations, we're talking about people, we're talking about marketing, we're talking about all these different things that we need to grow effective teams, right? And to build solid businesses that not only embody our vision and our mission, and our core values, but we're also building up a really good team to provide that care too. So leadership is a big part of things. I hope that you were able to gain some value from this episode. I try to follow my notes as close as I possibly can and sometimes go out on a tangent. So I hope you forgive me for that. And as promised at the beginning of this episode, I want to talk a little bit about some awesome individuals in the African-American community, the black community that have disabilities and did not let their disability stop them from just achieving so much greatness. So I want to transition into that right now. So the first individual I want to talk about is the undisputed champion, Muhammad Ali, the legendary boxer. He showed us the true meaning of resilience and determination. His fighting spirit, both inside and outside the ring, continued to inspire us to break barriers and stand up for what we believe in. Despite facing Parkinson's disease, Muhammad Ali remained the unwavering advocate for justice and equality. Next up is the seated nurse, Andrea Dazel, a remarkable nurse, disability advocate, and the first registered nurse in New York City who used a wheelchair. Despite facing adversity, Andrea's unwavering dedication to patient care and disability rights has made her a beacon of inspiration. Harriet Tubman, the freedom fighter, an icon of courage and resilience, tirelessly fought for justice and freedom. As an African-American woman with a disability, her strength and determination were unwavering. Harriet's remarkable legacy serves as a powerful reminder that we all have the power to create change and empower others. Last up that we're going to talk about today is Haben Gurma, a true inspiration. Despite being deaf and blind, 
Haben graduated from Harvard Law School and became a leading advocate for accessibility and inclusivity. Her relentless pursuit for groundbreaking barriers encourages us all to overcome challenges and embrace the power of determination. I hope you are inspired by these stories. You are able to go read about them. Just go ahead and search their names on Google Schmoogle and you will be able to read their full story. And I think it's important and powerful for us to be reminded of the people who came before us, even though they have a disability, they are true fighters. They are determined to make powerful, positive impact. And they were able to do that relentlessly and break barriers. So that is it for today's episode. I hope to see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now. Hey friend, if you resonated with this show, if you feel the desire to make impact, don't forget to head over to www.startupprovider.com so you can start making seven-figure impact and follow the show so you get notified when I drop a new episode. You can also come follow me on IG at underscore Ariana J. If you follow me there, let me know you came from the podcast. I really would love to meet you. Or you can join me in my private Facebook group, Assisted Living Group Home and Community Hub Providers. I hope to see you there.